Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Wednesday, March 30th, and we're bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, put on demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine says she'll vote in favor of President Biden's Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson. That makes it all but certain Jackson will become the first black woman to serve on the court. Collins says she met with Jackson after her confirmation hearings and the judge has, quote, the experience, qualifications and integrity for the job. Collins' support may spare the Democrats the need of a tiebreaker from Vice President Harris, although Arizona Democrat Kirsten Sinema hasn't yet signaled how she'll vote. Relatives of the Sandy Hook victims have rejected a settlement offer from Alex Jones. The InfoWars host proposed payments of $120,000 each, but the families say that's just a desperate attempt to escape public reckoning. They say Jones defamed them when he repeatedly called the school shooting a giant hoax and the family members crisis actors. He was found liable in November. Touchdown. American astronaut Mark Vandehei has just returned to Earth from the International Space Station aboard a Russian spacecraft. Despite historic tensions on the ground between Moscow and Washington, Vandehei and two cosmonauts landed safely together in Kazakhstan. Vandehei has been on the station for 355 days, the longest American space flight ever. Russia's head of space operations at one point suggested they might leave Vandehei behind on the station, but that idea thankfully was scrapped. Well, so much for Moscow's promise to de-escalate the war. Just one day after peace talks seem to be making progress, Russian forces are continuing to attack areas in the north of Ukraine, including near Kiev, the area where they were supposed to dramatically reduce the violence. Plus, a Kremlin spokesman now says the talks produced nothing very promising. Some Western experts believe Moscow is simply regrouping and redeploying troops and is far from done with the war. The Times of London gives us a little insight into Vladimir Putin's words behind closed doors, and they're not nice. The Times reports that last week, Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich carried a handwritten note from Ukrainian President Zelensky to Putin asking for peace. Putin's response? Tell him I will thrash them. Here's a fun scoop from The Washington Post. It reports Meta is paying one of the biggest Republican consulting firms to trash talk TikTok. Facebook's parent company hired the firm Targeted Victory to push stories and op-eds in local papers about TikTok's dangerous influence. The campaign included dubious reports on supposedly harmful trends and lack of data safety. They even workshopped ideal headlines like this gem, From Dances to Danger, How TikTok Has Become the Most Harmful Social Media Space for Kids. We're updating those headlines as news happens until 1 p.m. Eastern, so keep checking in. Also coming up, why vaccine makers are so slow to come up with new shots. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere, can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com slash hybridwork. In California, a statewide task force exploring reparations has made a critical first decision. 
who will be eligible. The majority voted to include only people who can trace their ancestry to free and enslaved Black people who were in the U.S. prior to the 20th century. The 5-4 to four decision on Tuesday followed hours of emotional testimony. The debate was over whether to include all Black people in recognition of slavery's continued legacy, particularly in systemic financial discrimination. Remember Amazon Prime Air, Jeff Bezos' big plan to deliver packages within 30 minutes by drone? That was announced almost 10 years ago. Now, finally, Insider has learned that Amazon plans to ask 1,300 customers in California and Texas to test having their packages delivered by drone. This would be the program's largest commercial test yet. Documents obtained by Insider say all the packages delivered will be under five pounds. Sorry, no anvils yet. And Amazon drones will deliver one item at a time within an hour. You've probably seen those TurboTax commercials advertising its free tax filing software, right? But if you've used the platform, you may have found it's not free for you. Well, the Federal Trade Commission announced Tuesday it is suing TurboTax for its misleading ads. That's because the FTC says despite its persistent message, TurboTax is actually not free for two-thirds of tax filers, including anyone who has income from gig work or farming. TurboTax says it will vigorously challenge the complaint. Advertisers suing Facebook over its allegedly deceptive ad rates can proceed in a class action lawsuit. That's after a San Francisco judge's ruling on Tuesday. The lawsuit began in 2018 with a group of advertisers claiming that the company misled them about the reach of its ads, knowingly inflating the numbers by up to 400% and hiking its prices accordingly. The ruling will open the door for millions of advertisers to join in. Ilaria Baldwin, oh, no, wait a second. Ilaria Baldwin has come out of her social media break to announce she's having another baby with her husband, Alec Baldwin. In an Instagram post, Ilaria says after a very rocky year, they're happy to announce a seventh Baldwinito is coming in the fall. Felicidades. A flamingo that escaped from a Kansas zoo in 2005 has been spotted in Texas. Flamingo number 492, great name, is pretty well-traveled for a bird that can only fly about 35 miles per hour. It previously appeared in Wisconsin and Louisiana. And if you were wondering, flamingos live up to 30 years on average, so we may be spotting this flamingo for many years to come, just living its best life. The COVID vaccines were developed faster than any other vaccine in history, yet the drug companies behind them are still not built for speed when it comes to public health. They're slow-moving behemoths that are far more reactive than they are proactive. Insider's Hillary Breck reports on public health for Insider, and she says companies' unwillingness to plan ahead should scare us, but it's not all doom and gloom. There is some hope on the horizon. So what are some of the barriers to vaccine? development. Why is it so hard? One reason that vaccines are really hard to make is because they are held to a very high safety standard. You're working in healthy people. And so you want to be really careful to make sure that the vaccine is completely safe before it's ever put out into the public. And then the other reason that it's really hard to develop new vaccines is because Vaccine makers don't have a great incentive to develop a vaccine for something that may or may not ever occur. So before the coronavirus appeared, there was never an incentive really for a pharmaceutical company, you know, beholden to shareholders and wanting to make profit to try to really get ready for that in a really meaningful way. 
So what would incentivize companies to become faster and more nimble? I mean, I think we saw a really great example of that in the pandemic. The government promised that they would buy the vaccines even if they didn't work. Now, obviously, the government can't do that every time, all the time for every disease. That would be unrealistic. But when you really need a vaccine and you need it fast, that does work to speed things up, to say, don't worry about taking this huge risk on something that might not work. We promise that we're going to make it worth your while. So again, you write that the glacial pace of vaccine development is concerning. Do we have any room to hope that it will get better? Yeah, well, I think the big thing that people are really pinning their hopes on right now is, of course, the pan-coronavirus vaccines that, that several researchers around the world are working on. What these vaccines could do, it would be more like a cocktail almost, where you know you pick three or four different strains or three or four different coronaviruses, and you say, I think these are the ones, they all have important characteristics, and they seem like they'll help give us some stronger protection against multiple strains and potentially even multiple viruses for the next few years to come. Hillary, I wonder what your big takeaway is from this reporting on vaccine development. I think, you know, it, it costs so much to develop vaccines, but the cost of being prepared for whatever might come our way next, whether it's a coronavirus or, you know, ne next year's flu or whatever it is, is just not that much when you think about all of the suffering and the economic turmoil that you could prevent by just having a better understanding of what viruses do and where they might go next and just being a little more forward thinking. And so, you know, a lot of people in the vaccine space say, if we could just have like a hundred day preparedness plan where you would be able to get a new vaccine out in a hundred days, it's worth it in the long run. And, you know, a lot of these experts talked about this sort of like election cycle thinking of like, well, if there's only a pandemic every hundred years, then we can wait 50 more to get ready. And not only is that short sighted, but it also prevents you from discovering the next big breakthrough that you're not going to ever find unless you try to solve these problems. Thanks for joining us on The Refresh, Hillary. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hillary Breck covers public health for Insider. Be sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on your favorite podcast apps, or better yet, go to insider.com slash The Refresh to use our custom-designed player. We also want to hear from you. Reach us at therefresh at insider.com. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Thanks for listening to The Refresh from Insider. Insider.